Yeah, let's run the shit out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Let's punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. <laughs> What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. As always, your host, Sam Sinclair, with me today is Jake. Jake, how are you doing today, man? It's good. Just got done going over Chris Ballard and Frank Reich's press conference. These guys always give us some good stuff to chew over, give us some information about some of our draft picks. So it's good to listen to those guys. And it's always, it's always assuring to hear from them because it reminds you how talented the guys running this organization is so it's going to be fun to go over that yeah jake hinted at it so we're gonna uh we're gonna go over the chris bauer and frank reich interview i thought jake you didn't see a whole lot but i saw a whole lot of interesting tidbits in that in that interview so we'll go through that some of their probably more important points that stood out to us so um we'll start off right off the bat it was an hour and a half interview or so um it seemed like over half the questions were about the quarterback jacob Eason. um so we'll go right into that the first question was actually asked about taking Easton at 20, at 122. And Chris Bauer basically said, we don't force it. Uh, we put them to where we think their value is for our, for our team. At that point, Jacob was on the board and was at the right value where we had him him placed. And that's why we took him. And looking at that quote, one, Bauer said he didn't want to force it. And two, where they valued him at clearly was a fourth-round quarterback, and you could debate why that is. But I think it's interesting, you know, maybe they didn't want to take Jacob Easton in the second round. Maybe they didn't want to take him in the third round. That's why they traded back and got those additional picks. And I think that's why they took him in the fourth round instead of taking him, you know, at 34 or at 44, like a lot of people had him mocked, is because, you know, maybe they didn't – maybe they valued him as a fourth-round pick. And maybe that's – and that's why they took him. And him saying we don't want to force it, that's kind of why they didn't take him in the second round was because they didn't want to force the pick on themselves. I think it's really telling, you know, when he kind of brings up that draft slot comment, it's, you know, you've seen in years past, he did it with Kari Willis trading up all the way into the fourth, uh, the beginning of the fourth round. If they love a player, they're going to go get him. They didn't really do that with Jacob Eason. You know, they let him fall. Um, I don't know if that's just Chris Ballard being afraid to overreach for a quarterback or if it's just because, you know, that's just not a guy they were overly hyped to draft. Um, you know, just looking at some of the picks they've made before, if they if they want to draft a guy, they're willing to give up the draft cap, capital to go get him. They moved and up for Jonathan Taylor in this same draft. They moved up for him. Um, you know, they drafted a safety over Jacob Eason in the third round. So, um, you know, I think that they're excited about him. You know, I don't want to sit here and say that somebody was twisting their arm to draft him, but, you know, I think at the same time there are reservations. Um, I think they don't want to put him any higher on their board than they feel fit. Um, you know, he was a guy that fell to them in their range. Um, you know, and there are guys that they didn't trade up for Darius Leonard. They didn't trade up for, you know, other guys. They traded back to draft Quentin Nelson. So it's not to say that they still don't think Easton's a quality player. But I, I think that it was interesting him saying, you know, well, that's the draft slot. So that's where he drafted him. It was kind of just a way to downplay this selection as, you know, this is a guy that fell to us. So we took him. Um, you know, again, they, it, it was about, I mean, fourth round pick for a quarterback isn't high, but it's still a fourth round pick. You know, there were still some really good players on the board that we all liked. 
Um, you know, so obviously they see a lot there, but, you know, I think it's a situation where they didn't want to trade up for him or, you know, push the envelope to get him to get fan expectations up to put pressure on Jacob Eason, to put pressure on the coaching staff to developing develop him quicker. He wanted this process for quarterbacks to be very organic, to be very um, to be very authentic. He didn't want to force a guy into this organization. I think that's a lot of what this comment says. And you know, now with this, he Jacob Eason understands that there's no expectation on him. Frank Reich understands there's no expectation on him. He's just brought in in his draft slot and he's going to compete for a roster spot just like every other rookie. So, you know, it was interesting, um, you know, cause sometimes Chris Ballard has a way of really talking up some of these rookies. And I think he really did the opposite of Jacob Eason. That's probably because of the position he plays and he knows fans can go up in arms in terms of the quarterback position, but nonetheless, I still thought it was an interesting statement. Yeah. And so Frank Reich was asked about Jacob Eason and the attraction to Eason and Frank Reich said, I saw a guy who has all the physical tools to play the position, size, strength, really good arm talent, and can make all throws to all spots of the field. For a big man, I think he has some athleticism to him, not that he's a scrambler guy. I think he has I think he is a pocket passer but has the athletic ability to move. And I just think he is still young and developing in the position. And like we've said in the last podcast recapping the pick, you know, Jacob Easton's only played you know, two seasons as a full as a full time starter. And I think it's gonna be very interesting. Like you said, that that attracts to you. That was attracted to you that he hadn't played a whole lot in college. So, you know, he's still developing and everything like that. And I think, you know, a lot of people call Easton a dinosaur back in the pocket. And I just think I don't completely agree with that. Yeah, he doesn't scramble as often as a guy like Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts or even Joe Burrow, who got selected early out early on in the draft. But you know, we've seen the mobility. He's got mobility. And Frank Reich even sees athleticism that he has in him. And like I said before the draft, look at the quarterbacks that Frank Reich has worked with. Peyton Manning, you know, Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck, uh, Philip Rivers twice. Those are not overly, you know, scrambler-type quarterbacks. Those are guys that can use their athleticism, but they don't, you know, do it like after their first read is gone. They do it when, you know, the second and third read is gone. And I think – you know, getting under the Frank Reich wing and under the Philip Rivers wing, I think we're going to be able to see Jacob Easton not become a scrambler, but a guy that could be, you know, a guy that could use his athleticism if the play breaks down. Yeah, whereas Chris Ballard gave, gave kind of these blanket statements about Easton to really, you know, numb the expectations or play them down. You know, Frank Reich gave us a little bit more insight behind the yeah, and pick. I think, and honestly, if we're looking at this was 100% probably Frank Reich's pick. Yep. I mean, this is yep. his quarterback now. This is his offense they probably gave more. They probably gave more say to Frank Reich on this pick than probably than what Ballard has to say. Well, and Chris Ballard, you know, going off topic a little bit, but Chris Ballard's always given Frank Reich a lot of freedom in who they bring into this offense, right? I mean, Chris Ballard wouldn't have signed Eric Ebron. Chris Ballard probably wouldn't have signed Devin Funches. Those guys were brought in because Frank Reich really lobbied for him. And you know, when you hear heard Jacob Eason talk in his uh, conference or his uh, media meeting after the draft, he had talked about. Uh, with his communication with Frank Reich. You know, that was the guy he was talking to throughout this process. That was the guy that was communicating with him. You know, Chris Ballard sent um, the other executives to go out and scout him and talk with him and kind of dive into him to make sure that he was a capable player to put on their board. But, you know, 90% of the communication and, and work was done by Frank Reich. So, you know, Frank Reich gave us a little bit more, gave us the tools that nothing really earth shattering. I think that, you know, it was cool that he had talked about his athleticism because it is, you know, to call him a dinosaur, I think is a little silly. 
Um, you know, he ran a four eight nine, which isn't, you know, absolutely atrocious. Um, you know, and, and one thing that Jacob Eason had done an interview before the draft, and he had actually said that he's working on his feet and mobility and that he, before, before he ran his, uh, his combine 40, that four eight nine was actually the fastest he had ever ran the 40. So, um, you know, is there room for even more athleticism in his game? I found that comment a little interesting um, from Jacob Eason in terms of his his interview. He did that. That was the fastest he'd ever ran. The 40 time was 489. So, you know, that's something he's working on. But Frank Reich specifically sees some athletic traits to him to allow him to be able to develop into a little bit more of a mobile quarterback than maybe you saw at Washington. But, um, you know, I like what Frank said. You know, I really agreed with what he said. Um, I feel like that he got a real accurate, fair analysis of Jacob Eason. And, you know, it was cool to see him dive into what he views are his strengths as a player. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was important that he mentioned he is a raw player. Um, you know, when I watched his flaws at Washington, you know, one thing that kept coming into my mind as I'm watching this is, man, this is a young guy that 99% of his problems are correctable. And, you know, if you get him under a guy like, like Frank Reich, he's really going to be able to work those things out of him and, and be able to groom him into a more polished player. And I think that attracted Frank Reich just to be able to get a guy that's kind of this, you know, ball of clay that he can get under his wing. He doesn't have, you know, a ton of years of bad habits in a program or years of problems from a program that he has to work out. You know, this is just a guy being inexperienced, you know, playing at, at high levels of football as a quarterback. And he sees a guy that he can get under his wing and really develop into a more polished player. Well, I mean, even if you look at it, I mean, Peyton Manning had a 4.840 yard dash. Uh, I'm trying to pull up Andrew Lux. Andrew was a four six seven, and people consider him. Yeah, Andrew could. They could. People consider Andrew Luck an athlete. Four six and four eights, not a whole lot of a difference, especially at quarterback. Philip Rivers ran a five oh eight. So I mean, there's people to say that Easton's a dinosaur. Yeah, he probably doesn't use his legs as much as you know he did in college. And maybe Frank Wright taps into that a little bit. We'll have to see. But I just think that to say that he's a complete dinosaur back there. I just I don't completely believe that, especially when he's posting numbers along the lines of Andrew Luck and Philip Rivers. So we'll have to see. Uh, the next comment, another comment from Frank Wright, talking about uh, Easton succeeding in college with his arm talent. Frank Wright said, "Yeah, I think his arm talent was probably the best in the draft as far as quarterbacks go." I mean, you and me and J Jake and me can completely agree with that. Um, what Frank Wright continued to say, what what I liked about his arm talent is that he could throw it on a rope, he could throw it long. He could throw it with touch. He could change the speed on the ball, and he can deliver from different arm angles. The accuracy was fine. He needs to work on that. His footwork needs to be better. Reading through pro three, reading through progressions needs to get better. So those are all points that we really emphasize when talking about Jacob Eason. Because, yeah, he's got the big arm. Everyone gets that. But you and me really talked about a lot of people question his accuracy. But even Frank Reich sees it in the film. He's got good touch. He could throw with touch, like you said. He could throw at all points of the field, which is something we love about him. And, yeah, of course, he's got to work on his footwork and his progressions. That's something almost every college quarterback needs to work through. But um, I just think that with Frank Reich being able to say that he throws with touch, I think fans need to kind of, you know, tone it down when they're saying that uh, Jacob Eason is not accurate. I think he's a lot more accurate than, than what people think he is. And one more point, I think – he kind of didn't say it necessarily, but 
Eason, one of his problems is even if it's a five-yard throw, he tries to throw with a full force and a full arm under him. I think that's something he needs to work on, and maybe that'll help with his accuracy and a little bit more better touch in the mid-range areas. But looking at this comment, I think Frank Reich sees exactly what we've seen and what we've preached over the last couple months with Eason's accuracy and his touch. Yeah, he he got a bad rap through this whole process of just being, um, you know, just being a hurler. Um, you know, I mean, when, you know, I read comparisons of Christian Hackenberg quite a lot, you know, Brock Osweiler quite a lot. And I just thought the comparisons were silly just from the jump, just because his arm talent is different than theirs. I mean, you know, I went back and watched some of their college tape, even though I'd watched them in the NFL and knew they were just awful. Um, you know, I went back and watched them in college and, you know, you just, on the surface, I think saying Easton has a big arm leads to those comparisons. But when you watch him versus guys like that, you see a lot more polish and um, a lot more skill set in his throwing abilities. You see the ability to drop balls in in a bucket over guys. Yeah, he shoulders. really didn't have much help at all. Like, no, no, none of his receivers are drafted, and his top tight end went undrafted. Yeah, and they, they were small. I mean, nobody over six foot. Hunter Bryant was his biggest target at 6'2". Um, so he was working with very small catch radiuses very small windows because of the lack of talent. And, you know, I mean, another guy that people compared him to in terms of uh, statistics was Jake Browning, who was there before. Jake Browning had Dante Pettis. Jake Browning had John Ross, both who were guys that were drafted in the top four rounds of, of the NFL draft. It's a completely different situation. And, and again, I, I think Eason could have been more consistent. I don't think he was as sharp as he should have been at times in reading defenses and stuff but you know I mean that's college football players man if, if Jacob Eason had all those things he would have went number one overall in the draft because his arm talent is just supreme um, you know those are just things that you can come to expect with a raw quarterback it, if he had been a four-year starter I would have really had concerns about these things but you know the fact that he showed a lot of good accurate passes he showed a lot of passes that he could drop over the shoulder with touch or be able to put throws on and off what he wanted, um, you know, downfield, be able to put the ball in, in places where guys can make plays after the catch or, you know, keep defenders from batting balls away. He showed that type of, of skill set in his game. And I think that that was something that people really dumbed down to. Uh, he just has a big arm. Eason's nothing but arm. Well, if you have an arm like his that can do what it does, that that's the number one asset for a quarterback. I mean, you know, it, it's really, in, especially in today's day and age, we're getting so caught up in mobility. But it's like I was telling you before we went on, nobody in the top 10 quarterbacks can't throw the football. There's not a single quarterback in the top 10 that is a top 10 quarterback because of their mobility. They're all great passers. And Jacob Eason's ceiling is limited because he's not a Russell Wilson scrambler, you know, so he's probably not going to be competing for MVPs unless he really, really maximizes, um, you know, his mental potential and things like that. But, you know, he's still, I think it's very safe to say that he will be a top 10 quarterback in this league given the right coaching. And if he puts the work in because his arm is supreme. And, and when you go below guys like Watson and Wilson, and, and Jackson and guys like that. You have guys like Ryan, you have guys like Rivers, you have guys like Stafford, you have guys like, well, Manning before he fell off a couple years ago with the Giants. The, the guys that are considered the next tier of quarterbacks are guys that not necessarily mobile, but can beat you with their arm. What puts guys like Wilson above them is he can throw and run. That mobility is a bonus for your quarterback. It shouldn't be the staple for your quarterback. And, and, you know, when we talked about Hertz, that was a big issue of mine with him is it would be a staple of his game. 
You want a quarterback that the mobility is a bonus, just like Andrew Luck rarely ran. He didn't run often. He only did it when he had to because he understands that to beat defenses in the NFL, you have to beat them from the pocket with your mind, with the manipulation, with your eyes, with reading defenses. All of his best work was done from the pocket. So the mobility factor for me doesn't really take much off of his value to me. Um, and I think that Frank Reich really diving into why his arm talent is so important for him as a prospect and why they pulled the trigger on him despite the limited tape, despite the inconsistencies, despite all that stuff, they pulled the trigger because his arm is just next level. And that's something you can't teach his arm talent. Like look yep. at Jake, look, look at Jake, uh, Jake Fromm. He fell all the way what, to the fifth or sixth round or something like that because he's got a lack of arm and he's nothing more than probably a backup, a career backup in the NFL. I mean, yep. t- you got to have an elite level something as a quarterback and to have an elite arm. Like, look at Patrick Mahomes. He got drafted because he's got a super big arm. And, yeah, Jacob Beeson is not at that level, but he can be – I mean, he's got close to that level. So He's close. He's yeah. close. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, 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 again, with the comparisons with some of those guys like Hackenberg, Jacob Beeson's arm is better than theirs. I mean, the, the – And Hackenberg is- in college at least played with a lot more talent. I mean, his Jacob Eason is on Josh Allen's level of arm, and and anyone that watches Josh Allen, his arm is well. Some scouts different. even said that he's probably going to have a top five arm when he comes in the NFL. Yep, yeah. People talk about uh, you know Mahomes, Allen, and Stafford, and then Jacob Eason. Um, you know, I'd heard I've I've heard that from a couple different uh, articles, and and scouts have said that I'd read that his arm is immediately going to be a top five arm in this league. So you can't just say, well, Jacob Eason's just a big arm because when your arm is big, but it's different big, that changes things. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you're, you're a guy that can just sling the ball. You know, you can sling really the ball a, at a next it, level. It puts pressure on a defense deep because if you've got guys like T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell and even Michael Pittman's a kind of a deep threat, that's going to put pressure on guys. You know, when they see Eason in the backfield throwing the ball, they're going to be like, oh, we need to back off these guys a little bit because he's could throw it, you know, forty to fifty yards with ease. And you have and you have guys with Eason's arm strength. Sometimes the defense just can't get back there. You know, when you talk about Mahomes and his arm, one thing that makes him so deadly is how far back can you push the defense safely? You know, he can throw it. You really over. can't with Tyreek Hill, at least. You can throw it over your deepest defender because his arm is that strong. And Jacob Eason's arm is in that class. I mean, and that's again, something we preached about Jacoby in the preseason. Like, he's got it, a big arm. He just doesn't real. of course, he just doesn't use it. But Jacob well, will. The, and, and the thing with, you know, Jacoby, I mean, a lot of people talk about Jacoby's arm. Jacob's arm's better than his. I mean, you know, again, I don't want to over – I don't want to overvalue it because I've never, I'm never really big on arm strength, but you know why I don't, why I hated Jake Fromm as a prospect as much as I did is the same reason I love Jacob Eason because their arm talent is noticeably different. Jacob, Jake Fromm's arm talent was noticeably under, under uh, par. Jacob Eason's arm is noticeably stronger than even 85 to 90% of the quarterbacks playing in today's game. And when you have that kind of differential in your arm strength and arm talent, that changes it. It's not just, oh, well, this is just a big arm guy. No, this is a next level arm guy. And for people that think that that the kind of throws he's made, I mean, you saw a couple times he was making throws where they would he would take slants. And because of the velocity and placement, the receiver was able to turn it up field, continue running and took it 80 yards for a touchdown. And that's because he delivers the ball so quickly and with such force and strike that the defense can't even leave their feet before the ball's in the receiver's hands. And, and I just think that it's such a valuable asset that I think for people to dumb it down to say, well, he's just a big arm. I just don't think that does his talent 
justice. I mean, he, his arm is incredibly talented and I'm really glad Frank Reich went into that because I just, I just throughout the whole draft process, I thought to just say Eason was just a big arm was really a, a bad dumb down of what his arm talent really is. So this is the last kind of question we had on Jacob Eason um, that we kind of know it on. Um, course an analyst I think it was Chris Morrison probably if we're being specific doubted uh, Jacob Eason's work ethic after the Colts made his selection at 122 and Chris Ballard mentions well I mean I think it's a little unfair there are leaks slash sources Uh, nobody wants to put their name on it we did a lot of work on him I promise you Jacob Eason understands I had a visit with him today when I called him the expectations that we have here I think you all have seen he's going to make the team or he's got to make the team, sorry. He's a fourth-round pick. He's still got to make the team. And I think it's pretty interesting to see that, you know, people are questioning, of course, Eason's character and his his character issues is kind of like the big issue. And Chris Bauer here kind of talks it down a little bit. Yeah, he probably doesn't, you know, probably love Jacob Eason's attitude because he's more of a laid-back guy. But he doesn't, you know, completely shoo away, you know, the – you know, the analysts talking about his work ethic. They kind of talk it down a little bit. Well, and if you – anyone that watches the next series, I think, you know, if you listen to the first comment Chris Ballard made, they have to have toughness and physical toughness, and they have to be strong football characters or else they're off the board. I don't think Jacob Eason bucks that. You know, I don't think Jacob Eason was just a guy that was just such a generational player that they had to look the other way. I think that maybe he scraped by – on the talent or on the uh, character aspect, maybe he didn't pass it with flying colors, like a guy like Pittman or, you know, Taylor, you know, guys that were captains and all Americans and, you know, had these awards for leadership and all the Jacob Eason that he, he, he's a different draft pick for Ballard because if you look at virtually all of his draft picks, they have that, right. You know, senior bowl guys, you know, all-star game appearances, things like that. Jacob Eason's different in that aspect. So I don't think he really passed that with flying colors, But I think more so the reservation with Ballard is more so just the maturity, not the work ethic, not, um, you know, him as a likable teammate or a good locker room player. I just think that maybe there's some reservations on maturity. And when I listen to Jacob Eason talk or hear some of the things about Jacob Eason, that's kind of what comes to my mind is this is just a guy that, you know, has been a a five-star athlete his whole life, been in the spotlight, probably didn't handle it as well as he should have coming out of high school. He owned that, you know, he said that these stories are coming from, you know, when, when he was at Georgia, you know, he went out with his friends and wasn't really careful about the decisions he was making and, you know, the name he put out there for himself and gained a reputation as kind of a partier and, um, you know, a guy that wasn't taking things as seriously as he should. But I, and I think that that's kind of what Chris Ballard wants to see more of, because if you, if you honestly assess the answer, he didn't say, you know, Hey, those are completely false. Jacob Eason is a superb kid. You didn't hear none of that. And and I think that's because, you know, the honest truth is he has maturing to do, he has growing to do, um, you know, but I, I just think that the fact that he sent his, his, his two top guys, Dodds and Decker out there. He to, sent the to, big guns, as we said, he sent the big guns out there. The fact that he sent those guys out there and they put Jacob Eason on their, board I think they feel comfortable enough um you know again I would have liked a little more of a ringing endorsement um from him and even Frank Reich really wasn't like you know all on board about Jacob Eason as, well, like we as said he's going to keep he's going to talk down Jacob Eason all yeah. offseason because he's a quarterback and he's a fourth round pick but what I see with Eason that 
you know, I think kind of falls in line with Chris Ballard's reservations is, you know, I see a guy that's, that cares. I see a guy that wants to be good. I see a guy that, that, you know, when I watched him play, you know, again, I've referenced him taking hits um, before he makes throws, you know, I seen, you know, when his quarterback sneaks, he's really diving for those first downs and churning his legs. Saw him score touchdowns and get amped with his teammates. He seems like a guy that does care. He seems like a guy that, and I think Frank Reich, and it's a different quote, but Frank Reich said, Jacob is still young in his journey. And I think that's a really interesting thing to say about him because I think they see a good kid. I think they see a kid that does care. I just think they see a kid that maybe was a late blossom in terms of his maturity, was a guy that was a late blossomer in terms of, you know, the commitment he was putting in. Maybe it wasn't there at Georgia, but, you know, he talked about his journey into Washington and how that changed his love for the game, changed his approach. And I think that there's this reservation of, is that a guy that's going to do that year in and year out? And, is they, that, well, and I was, was going to say real fast that they've even done the same thing with Chad Kelly, you know, a guy that yeah. has a lot of problems. Uh, they brought him in and – I. I've met him a couple of times at camp, and I think he's I think he's changed. I mean, he's been a probably a pretty good guy in the locker room. So maybe the same thing will happen with Jacob. And and again, I think it's just you know this is a guy that was enjoying being a teenager. I think Jacob falls in line of more of the average college guy. You know, you hear character. Everyone's concerns. been twenty. Everyone's been twenty years twenty years old at one point in their life. And and I think that's just what he is. You know, and I think that's why they took this shot on him because you know, there's no arrest record. There's no assault charges. There's no quotes from teammates that he's handled his, himself poorly. I think he's a good kid. I think that he's a guy that will mature and, and get better. And I like the comments I've heard about him, you know, wanting to be a leader, wanting to be a workhorse, acknowledging that he has people to prove wrong. He seems like he, he, his head is in the right place and he he's headed in the right direction as a human being. I just think that that he's a guy that just kind of for, falls more in the line of the average human being. He's not a guy, you know, Jonathan Taylor, the story about he would come home from road games and get in the ice tub to get his body ready for the next day of practice. He doesn't fall in that line of just an exceptional human being at that age. I think he's just more of a, a guy that's following the normal learning curve of life, you know, getting over being young and partying, getting over, um, you know, learning what's important in his life, learning that, you know, he's he's had the top, the top tier arm his whole life that's gotten him by. And I think, you know, really going, losing that, that position of from having to transfer, having to work with another quarterback at Washington and battle it out. I think that he has gained a new appreciation that, Hey, you know, I have to really step it up. I have to be better in terms of my preparation, better in terms of what I'm doing. And I think that he handled the draft process really well. Was that all for show? We'll find out. It'll be exposed really quickly, but you know, putting out his own pro day, having interviews, acknowledging that he has to prove people wrong. I think that he's headed in the right direction. I think, I think Chris and the, and the front office are in that same boat. They're just not ready to really sign off on him as a leader, the way they are on guys like Jacoby and Phillip. And I think that's a big reason why they brought him on because that group is very strong and they're going to be able to bring him along. It's the best possible environment for him. So if he doesn't make it, it's on his shoulders because he's in the best possible situation. So this is kind of the last quote that we got from Bauer and Reich. And this one, I think you and me both, it really stood out talking about the fit with Danny Pinter, the uh, fourth round pick out of Ball State, the offensive lineman. Bauer said, I love Danny. I'm not going to lie to y'all. Actually, we were trying to move up for, up to get him. I probably would never, ever give – I probably won't ever give y'all this much insight, but for like 30 minutes we were trying to move up and we we just couldn't get – get up to get him but center guard is where I think he's going to make his hay in the league 
and you want to talk about character, believe me, this guy's got blue blue character and he fits our culture. He has the traits we are looking for in an offensive lineman. And I've, you know, four years, Bauer's been our GM. I don't really have – I don't know if I've seen a guy – or I've, I don't think I've seen Bauer talk about a guy like he did with Danny Pinter right here. I mean, talking about trading up to get him for 30 minutes, an offensive lineman at a ball state, kind of an undersized guy. I think that's very interesting. And then he kind of lays out what position he's going to probably play at, center guard, you know, that Joe Haig backup offensive lineman role. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he gives that big endorsement on his character uh, and how he fits the culture and he has the traits that they're looking for in their offensive linemen. Yeah, and I, I think those traits – I think those comments, you know, it's it's funny because it reminds me of the Kari Willis situation last year, you know, not just the trade-up, but the way he talked about Kari. And you had talked about you really quickly jumped on his bandwagon and – you know, I'm sure Chris Ballard's presser on him had a lot to do with that. He really talked him up last last year after the draft, and um, he did the same thing with Pinter. And, you know, I think that when he makes statements like that, and it kind of ties into what we had just talked about with Eason not really giving him that huge vote of confidence that maybe we were hoping to hear based off of some of the draft reports. You know, Danny Pinter is is the opposite of that, right? He's a guy that he's really talking up and is really, really excited about. You can tell this was – 100% on Ballard. Um, you know, this was a guy that Ballard probably was super, super high on from the beginning. And it gets you excited as a fan to hear him talk about certain players like that, because it, it gives you a guy to watch and gives you a guy that's easy to root for and makes it to where you enjoy watching their journey and enjoy watching them grow because Chris Ballard just really gives them this huge vote of confidence and makes you want to dive into the story. I know after I heard that press conference, I wanted to learn a lot more about him and and I did. And I spent quite a while reading up on him, watching him um, as much as I could of him and, and, you know, just kind of diving into who he is as a person and a player. And, um, you know, I felt like overall this press conference was a little vanilla for him. He's usually a little more insightful, but I, I thought the Danny Pinter thing was really kind of peak Chris Ballard, just really being honest and open about how they feel about a guy and really giving kind of an indication that, Hey, this guy's going to be special. He, he's a guy that flew under the radar, but to us, we really value him highly. And he's a guy that's going to have a big impact on this team on and off the field. So, you know, if, if, if the athletic measurables, if the awards, if, you know, being a multi-year productive starter at Ball State, you know, winning accolades academically and for his football play, if all that didn't get you excited enough, I mean, Chris Ballard's comments are enough to get anybody fired up about Danny. Yeah, I just thought that comment was fairly interesting. So um, that's going to conclude this episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. Still a little bit shorter one this time around. Um, getting, we're trying to get as many episodes as we can to you guys. Now that the draft is over, we can, you know, look at the roster. It's basically built now and we're going to, this is what we've got going into training camp. So, um, we appreciate you guys coming on and listening to the show and we hope you guys have a good rest of the day.